Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. I have told many of you this, but in this time of wilderness that we are all feeling, Renew has been creating. I just think it's so beautiful and what a what a beautiful way for holy courage. I'm going to, thanks Lana, thanks Denise. I'm going to, every time I say holy courage, I will just automatically do the sign. So thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them up to Ruth. We are in chapter three. Now, some scholars would say that much of Ruth three would be a, not a G-rated scene. Um, but I understand that <laughs> we have all ages here. So it will be a G-rated scene with a little, a few wink, wink, winks. <laughs> Instead of seeing me, though, you'll have to just hear that. So let's start chapter three. Chapter three starts about two to three months after the beginning of the harvest. Now, Ruth, she has been so focused on keeping her family, her and Naomi, her family alive. Um, and so she's been working really hard. But Naomi also realizes that the harvest is not going to last all year long, that gleaning won't last all year long. And so she has to come up with a plan. So Naomi appears to have regained some of her energy since when the story started. And Naomi decides, I need to find a resting place for you. Now, do you guys remember where we heard that resting place? We heard that in chapter one. And Naomi had said to Orpah and Ruth, you need to go back to Moab to find a resting place, to find a husband back in Moab. So that, that resting place um, has, has been a theme throughout Ruth. But now Naomi has an idea. So in chapter three, starting in verse two, Naomi says, is not Boaz our relative with whose young woman you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore, therefore and anoint yourself. Side note, this anoint yourself and wash, this may have been an indication that her mourning for being a widow is over. Naomi might have been saying, okay, the time for mourning is over. Continuing on, and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. So Ruth replies, all that you say, I will do. Now, Naomi knows that Boaz has treated Ruth very well. We do know that Boaz's workers appreciate him. Boaz was called a man of Halil, a man of valor in chapter two. But Naomi also knows that Ruth is going to be really hard to marry off. And why is that? Well, Ruth is a foreigner. That's been made very clear throughout the book. She is a widow. She doesn't have parents to go as the go-between, which is pretty 
typical in that um, historical context. She has no dowry, she's poor, and she um, is barren. So she has a lot of strikes against her. Here at Renew, we talk about kingdom mischief a lot. And so Naomi is planning some kingdom mischief of her own. So what is this kingdom mischief that Naomi is planning? Well, Naomi is smart. She's, she's been married. She knows that the best way to get to a man's heart is when he's had a lot of hard work and had a lot of food and drink. So Naomi knew that Boaz would be in a really good mood at the threshing floor. Boaz probably had experienced um, the famine, just like many of the many in Israel. And so he is really glad to have a harvest. So Boaz would be sharing this meaningful hard work and good food and wine with his workers. So Naomi says, okay, go when Boaz is in the field. So Ruth does that. So Boaz goes to lie down in the field to sleep. But then he notices there's a woman at his feet. Now, the threshing floor would have been away from the city. So it would be close to a good place of wind for the, for the winnowing process of the threshing and the winnowing for the shaft. So as a side note, another side note, I have many <laughs> for us this afternoon. Um, Mary has done some great work with getting videos and explaining the gleaning process and the the harvesting process. So if, you, if you're interested in that, um, please look for the emails from Mary. Um, just some really good stuff there. So Ruth is taking a big chance, leaving the city at night, leaving alone to go to a place where there was not a lot of light. So this is an act of holy courage for Ruth. So back to the story. So Boaz says, Ruth, or who is this woman at my feet? And Ruth says, she answers respectfully and directly in verse nine. I am Ruth. And as another side note, <laughs> Ruth, what has she been called up until now? She has been called a Moabite, that foreigner, that Moabite woman. But now in verse, in chapter three, she, this is the first time that she is addressed as not just that foreigner, that Moabite woman. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So we were hoping to see this in person today at Emmanuel, um, but unfortunately we aren't there. But Lindsay created this. And it's, it comes from the phrase that Ruth says, spread your wings over your servant. So Ruth here is asking for two things. The first phrase, spread your wings over your maidservant. So literally, Ruth is saying, covering his robe or whatever clothing was covering his feet in verse 7. It's also an image that's used so many times in the Bible of a man providing economic and social security through marriage. Metaphorically, that covering of your wings, you can find that in Ezekiel 16, 8. God enters a covenant with Israel, covering over Israel with God's wings. So this is a type of protection. And we've heard this phrase before. We heard this last week. Ben talked about it in chapter 2, verse 12. When Boaz says to Ruth, 
the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Ruth's first request here is to ask for marriage. And this is based on the Leveret Law. And you can find this in Deuteronomy 25. And I won't get into it. But basically, it's a way of protecting widows. So if a widow dies, then a, a, a brother was supposed to marry this widow or a close relative was supposed to marry. And this was to provide stability and safety. The passage in Deuteronomy also says that there's hum humiliation if this relative or brother will not marry this widow. The widow is actually supposed to go to the relative, take off the sandal of this relative, which another side note, remember that taking off the sandal, because we'll see that in chapter four, and then spit in, this, in the face. <laughs> so caring for orphans and widows is no joke to God. So Naomi wants to find rest for Ruth through marriage because this will offer protection for Ruth. However, Ruth takes this up a notch, creating her own kingdom mischief. After asking Boaz to marry her, Ruth's second request to Boaz is to be the kinsman redeemer. And this was not the original plan um, that Naomi sent Ruth with. Naomi sent Ruth to just say, marry me. But again, Ruth takes it up a notch and says, and I want you to be the kinsman redeemer. Well, what does this mean? What is this kinsman redeemer? So Leviticus 25, 25 says, if one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem to buy back what they have sold. So this was the practice of buying the land and keeping it in the family in order to provide for those within the family. So let me translate this short and concise, yet really profound request from Ruth. Marry me, buy the land back so it can stay in the family and continue the line of Elimelech and Naomi. Now, this is a big request. Remember, it is no secret that Ruth is foreign, poor, and barren. And these are really major strikes against her. Is Boaz willing to take this step of holy courage? Is this the life that Boaz imagined? Well, we don't know much about Boaz. There isn't much talked about, but he is called a man of valor, Halil. He was older and you find that in verse 10 and his workers seem to respect him. So if Boaz does what Ruth respected and if he was already married, how would his family respond? Well, he would have to share his resources. If Boaz already has children, well, they would have to share their resources and their inheritance. And if Boaz isn't married, well, Ruth has seemingly nothing to offer in this marriage. Well, how does, how does Boaz respond? Boaz is amazed at Ruth. He has seen her acts of good faith toward her mother-in-law, her hard work, and her determination. So in verse 10 of chapter 3, Boaz says, This last act of good faith, Hassad, is even better than your original one. You have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Another pause. <laughs> Boaz calls Ruth a woman of valor, a, a worthy woman. This is the same phrase that we saw in chapter two, Halil. 
And this is the same idea that we get in, there's hints of that in Proverbs 31, where, where the writer talks about a woman of valor. Boaz is calling this foreigner a woman of valor. Now, in our Bibles, we've already talked about this, Ruth follows judges, and that makes sense chronologically. But in the Hebrew Bible, Ruth follows Proverbs. Now, if you know much about Proverbs, Proverbs is, a, is in the wisdom literature genre. And in, in the last chapter of Proverbs, chapter 31, it talks about this woman of valor, Halil. Now, it takes this whole list of things, and it can be exhausting to look at all those things. And I don't necessarily think that Proverbs 31 is, um, is, is talking about every, this, this woman who's exhausted. But I think when you, when you meet a, a person of, of wisdom and valor and strength, they have their characteristics, their, char- their, um, their creativity that, sh- that shows them of integrity. So all that to say is I would encourage you as your homework to read Proverbs 31 in light of Ruth, understanding that in the Hebrew Bible, you would have read Proverbs 31 and then read Ruth. And I wonder if there's something in the book of Ruth that connects that. So Boaz continues in verse 12. He says, it is true that I'm a redeemer, but there is one who is nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So it's ambiguous here what happens the rest of the night. And scholars have various opinions of what happened that night. And this is where if you could see me wink, wink, wink. Naomi may have wanted the marriage to be consummated that night. However, as we read, Ruth took it up a notch, so they will have to wait to hear from the closest relative to see if this relative will take on both responsibilities of marrying and buying back the land and continue in the line of Elimelech and Naomi. And let's also remember the character traits, the respect and integrity of Ruth and Boaz till now. And what's happened the rest of the night really is not the point of the story. But we do know that mutual respect was strengthened between Boaz and Ruth that night. Boaz wants Ruth to wait until the very early in the morning before anyone could recognize her to leave the field, wanting to protect their integrity. So Boaz sends Ruth home with six measures of barley, though we're unsure of the exact portion. We do know by Naomi's response in verse 16, who are you, my daughter, that it must have been a significant amount. And then the chapter ends. Naomi states, wait, my daughter, until you have learned how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled the matter. So next week in chapter four, we will see how the matter is settled. But what happens next? Will a redeemer come through, buying back, freeing from debt, overcoming these difficulties? Will the poor, orphaned, and widows be forgotten? Will the oppressors ever be held responsible? Will justice roll down like mighty waters? Will there be peace for our restless souls and forgiveness for our sinful hearts? But wait, do you hear the hint of a redeemer? Do you hear the promise of a king? And with those last two questions, I want to introduce a song that Dan from Renew wrote. And we were supposed to hear this in person, but we do have a recording of it. He wrote this song 
I just think it's beautiful um, about with those questions. Do you hear the hint of a redeemer? Do you hear the promise of a king? So this is Dan's song, Friend in Famine. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.